When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Inconsistent. I think our whole football team was inconsistent. Offense, defense, special teams. I think there's way too many drops. It's not just on Tanner. Way too many drops. I think there are five or six drops. And uh, I don't think the stats look any different, but who cares about the stats? I think we're just inconsistent as a football team tonight. Um, and, and take your pick. Uh, take a pick, whatever player you want to pick, or take every coach you want to pick, any uh, off offense, defense, special teams. We were just really inconsistent. Cool. And we will. because uh, Just because the Vikings didn't play yesterday, they play tonight, doesn't mean we can't bust out the pie chart of blame. Step on up to the podium, Gophers football, for your helping of pie on this episode of Mackie and Judd. Five random, but also not so random thoughts on what the Timberwolves should do in the draft. And Steve Levy, the voice of Monday Night Football, or the face, or both, I guess, will join us. On Mackie and Judd today, after a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been here all year in 2020 for business owners who are probably uh, struggling to say the least. I mean, if you're a business owner, I can't think of another year in which uh, you would have gone through so many potential hurdles and obstacles. So, Federated is here providing peace of mind and guidance for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota. You can find out more about the trusted resources and people that Federated provides at federatedinsurance.com. You can also follow them on Twitter, at federatedins, for fresh, relevant risk management content on a variety of topics. At Federated Insurance, it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Second and five. Here's Flacco. All alone is Perriman for the touchdown. Slipped and fallen by a Patriots defender, J.C. Jackson. And Flacco and Perriman able to take advantage. Right. Happy happy Vikings-Bears Day, everyone. Mackie and Judd. And uh, we're going to start the show. We don't normally start the show off with guests, but because Steve Levy is the voice and face of Monday Night Football we're welcoming him on board. And, Steve, we definitely want to talk Bears-Vikings with you. We definitely have football questions. But we know you're a hockey guy. And the Minnesota Wild just unveiled alternate uniforms. <laughs> and so if you would indulge us, that would be great. Uh, yeah. We're going, we're going, apparently we're going wild logo, but with Minnesota North Stars color scheme for the alternate yep. jerseys next year. Your thoughts? <laughs> Uh, first of all, good morning, guys. Good morning. I, and I love the I love the fake crowd in the background of those NFL calls. Right, they're pretty good. <laughs> it sounds like actual live human beings are in the stadium. When it's, we're there. it's just Lewis in the background. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's funny, but uh, I got to tell you, you know, from the second I put on my cell phone this morning, uh, yes, my all my entire timeline on Twitter is blowing up about the NHL retro jerseys. And, uh, you know, the Avalanche going back to the Nordiques look and the Hurricanes going back to the Whalers look. And I think the mm. Kings, the old Purple Kings, mm. uh, have people excited about it. But then, yes, the, uh, the, the Minnesota Wild slash North Star thing definitely jumps out. Uh, it's one of my, my, my biggest regrets in sports. I never got to the old Met Center in Bloomington. I would have I liked to have seen that building. Melrose has told me about it an awful lot. And uh, but I remember those uniforms. I remember those days and Bobby Smith and Craig Hartsburg and and Dino Cicerelli and all that good stuff. So uh, good times, good colors, and yes, everything that's old is new again. And it's good <laughs> for people. I don't know how old you guys are, but it's good for people of my my age anyway. I am f- fifty one, Steve, and I, I spent many a night at the Met. And my favorite yeah. thing, my favorite thing though, 
um, 1980s, in the midst of the great North Star Blackhawk r- rivalry, the chance of Secord sucks throughout that building. <laughs> that was that that my man. That was the National Hockey League to me. Then Secord right. sucks, and it filled the entire. Every man, woman, and child was partaking in the chant. Right, and, and so North Stars and, and Blackhawks, and that does work nicely in the right to the Bears and Vikings. It's the the NFC Norris, the Black and Blue Division, all that stuff. So there's definitely crossover there, uh, but those. You know those old barns in the NHL. Oh. Now, now, quite frankly, I mean, they're, look, they're all gorgeous, they're all beautiful, the palaces, but they're all so similar. They're all so cavernous, and we're never going back, obviously. But the, the retro jerseys are great, and man, I, I just love being in those old buildings. And wish I could have gotten to that Met Center. So, so Steve Levy joining us off the top here on Mackie and Judd, and let's dive into Bears Vikings. Uh, I want to play a part of a sound bite here for you, a clip, and then ask you a very important question as it pertains to uh, to Kirk Cousins. All right. Morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Is Kirk Cousins a better singer or quarterback in your mind? Quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to go quarterback there. Was that actually him singing right oh, there? Oh, man. So this 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 clip came out. This came. I, I, it was. It was a local. Uh, it was a local Minnesota sports blog. Ten thousand takes that dug this up. It did make its way to Sports Center at one point, like late in the week. Uh, okay. This is this is Kirk Cousins in his high school musicals. A compilation of thirty wow. seconds for you. Morning, oh what a beautiful day. That's him. There he is. That's yeah, so it, it'll be, you know, it'll be on a different stage tonight. It's, it's still public speaking, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's, still, it's still performing in front of, you know, an audience, I guess. I don't know how many people would have been to this high school event, but maybe more than will be in the stadium tonight, actually. It was more than 250 people. So, uh, so what, what do you, on, on a part of players that you've seen of late, Steve, where do you put what uh, Dalvin Cook has done, especially in these past two games, uh, against what you've seen from the rest of the, the league, just as far as the impressiveness of, of what he's doing now, pretty much on a consistent basis. You know, we, we sort of scr- started scrambling yesterday. Let's let's get into the MVP thing, right? It's such yep. a it's such a quarterback heavy award, and it actually wasn't that long ago. I think Adrian Peterson in 2012, so mm-hmm. that hasn't been that long. And if you go back to 2005, 2006, I think it was back to back years of running backs. Uh, won the award, but he's definitely propelled himself into that conversation. Uh, the fact that you know that people are talking about him the way they are for what is you know for now a three and five football team uh, is is really impressive. So um, with 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 people with defenses piling up and 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 be able to put you know potentially seven eight in the box and try to force Kirk Cousins to beat them with a passing game uh, that makes it even more impressive what Dalvin Cook is doing. I think. And uh, and so we'll watch for that, obviously, tonight. Uh, the Bears have, you know, the, they're playing into the Bears' strength, right? I mean, Chicago's been awful on offense. I think that's well documented. Everybody knows that. And so, But the Bears really play good defense. And so that's, you know, that's the strong matchup tonight. That'll be fun to watch. That Chicago defense, man, they, they've been on the field all season long, right? They're, their offense, they can't run the ball. They're the shortest drives. And, and really, uh, so in terms of time of possession, you know, they're probably dead last Chicago. So those guys are beaten up. Uh, but they know their season's on the line as well. And Chicago's made some moves. And I'm sure you guys saw they changed the play caller this week. Yep. Matt Nagy reluctantly giving it up. So we'll see. And, and, you know, they go into the bye next week. That's weird, right? Usually you would take the bye week to figure out the play caller. Uh, but that tells you how important tonight and this moment is, I think, for Chicago as well. Steve, in, in talking to uh, Mike to uh, get set for tonight's game, did you get the impression? So, if the Bears' defense has success in stopping Cook, which is certainly uh, which could take place, did you get the impression that Mike would be comfortable if he has to turning the game back to Kirk to try and win? You know, we, we never we never got past that point, right? We never got to the point where he's admitting that hey, you know, it might not work out for Dalvin Cook. I think they're so supremely confident. Uh, so, so I don't know the answer to that question, and that will be part of the chess match. Um, absolutely tonight. So 
Uh, listen, we are excited uh, to see Justin Jefferson. I, I think that takes some of the heat. You certainly have to pay attention to Jefferson. Uh, obviously, Irv Smith is a big loss tonight. You know, some of the other peripheral players to make Chicago focus on someone else other than Dalvin Cook. And, uh, you know, maybe Kyle Rudolph gets into a, a big role tonight, play, uh, making, some, making some catches. So uh, it's funny, you know, with all the talk with Mike Zimmer, we talked to the whole coaching staff, and, you know, that sort of that never comes up, and it should have come up. That's a, that's a swing and a miss by us because, you know, it's a, it's a weird sample size, but Cook has not had success against the Bears. That's all, Again, it's only three games, but he has not had success. Look at the numbers. Uh, the most yards he's had against Chicago in those three games is, is 39, yeah. I think. So, um, so that you know what? Why don't you join us next week for our production? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, judges jump. No into problem. The, into the Zoom call. <laughs> no problem. Hey, if you can get us, if you can get us that Kirk Cousins singing highlight, so you think we already have that in the building in Bristol? You, we should have that available for tonight. If you there's yeah, ask ask a producer at Sports Center. I'm ninety yeah. percent sure that popped up uh, on Sports Center late last week. If not, it's 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 on Twitter somewhere. But if you're Got yeah. We'll grab it. And listen, when you see it tonight, you guys will know that your show is the reason that we've embarrassed Kirk Cousins again because of his singing, singing voice. Amazing. Uh, so uh, this this game does feel like sort of, it's sort of a, a fork in the road game for both teams. And that, you know, the, the conversation here, Steve, three weeks ago was when the Vikings had one win and. Uh, and they 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 had lost to the to the Falcons by like three touchdowns or whatever it was. The talk here was. You should just take this entire season as a reset slash tanking year, whatever you want to call it. Take a step back, get in the Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Well, now that they've won two games in a row, this game feels like the gateway to them making a playoff push or not. And on the Bears' end, it kind of feels like coaches' jobs are on the line, and um, and maybe they go back to the quarterback draft board if they if they keep losing games. So even though it's a three and five and a five and four, there's a, it seems like the stakes are higher than usual. Uh, just just based on these teams' records, uh, that sounds good to me. You know, after listening to that, I'm watching the game tonight too. So there you go. Um, uh, you know, it is in a, in this odd universe in 2020. Uh, the team who started one and five is actually better off than the team started five and one. Right? I mean, how, how can that possibly be? But I, I I agree with you. This is and if you look at the Vikings' schedule, and we have right. I mean, after this game tonight, Cowboys, Panthers, Jaguars. Those are those are very very winnable games for Minnesota. Um, what Chicago has going in their benefit, and that was also weird, is the lack of division games uh, that they have played to this point. If Chicago could ever figure it out, they played just one division game. I think they're the only team in the NFL that's played just one division game to this point. Yeah. So you know all the teams they need to beat out. You know the NFL's had the extra wild card this year in each conference, and and quite frankly they might add an extra wild card. Yes. So. Uh, you know, another wild card it could be eight teams in each conference. So, uh, so we'll see how it plays out. But yes, tonight tonight feels like a a bigger game than the two teams' records would indicate for sure. Steve, is Nick Foles flat out not that good, or, or is he in this case of a victim of the circumstances of the Bears' offense? To your point, not being able to run the ball and struggling in areas that puts too much onus on him. Listen, he, he can't be not that good. We've seen him be great. It's just in short bursts, right, in short periods of time. We've seen what he can do, but he, he's got to have some help. Honestly, um, you know, we're heading into this game tonight, and I have no idea what the Bears are doing on their offensive line. Uh, they have been crushed maybe more than any positional group in the entire league uh, with the, the Bears with the COVID-19 and, and guys having you know, close contact. I, I have no idea what they're going to do. They started Alex Bars at center last week. Guy had never played center. Forget the NFL. He didn't play it in college at Notre Dame. I think he had one practice under his belt. So, you know, Foles has been up against it. They no David Montgomery tonight, the one guy that can count out at the backfield. Um, and, so, and so, you know, we'll see, right? So this is, this is interesting. We started off talking about the strength of this game, right? It's the Minnesota offense, the Chicago defense, and you know, if, in fact, the two strengths cancel each other out, the Vikings' weakness is probably in that secondary and against that, you know, that front for Chicago. And wouldn't it be interesting if it's the Vikings' defense or the Bears' offense which decides this game? But, uh, listen, Foles has a track record. It has been in short bursts. And, and who am I to say someone's not a good quarterback in the NFL? I'll let, I'll let Greasy or Riddick give you that tonight. Sure. And, and tonight, reminder for the audience tonight, Vikings Vent Line. Uh, you can watch it live <laughs> on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. 
where we invite Vikings fans into the room. Uh, this will be like a, a, an 11 o'clock start time tonight, so just don't get us fired, Vikings fans out there. For, uh, maybe, for Vikings. I'll, maybe I'll check it out after the game myself. <laughs> we appreciate couple, that. Hey, but before we say goodbye, I, I do have one broadcast question for you because I, I just personally, I think you have one of the more uh, just amazing and fascinating careers over the last 25 years and that you've you've done everything. You're at your you're Monday Night Football now. Uh, you've been a, a sports center anchor. You've called five overtime hockey games. You've called the XFL. My question is, what is the most fun period of your uh, almost three decades uh, working for ESPN. Well, that's a great question, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I've been so fortunate to be in the same place for 28 years and get to really experience um, experience everything. The most fun, if you put it, the most fun, uh, I would say the two and a half weeks, uh, usually in June with Barry Melrose at the Stanley Cup Final. 25 years of uh, of never missing a Stanley Cup Final. But but listen, Saturday night college football at LSU, uh, Monday night, you know, haven't had, listen, the Monday night football is the dream job for me. And it is the pinnacle for me. There's nothing else I, I could imagine even doing. And maybe a Super Bowl comes with that one day down the road, but I haven't had the full experience, right? We were in an empty stadium in essence, talking to each other. So I can't put that Monday night experience up there and sports center. Listen, I, I had the best seat in the house. We had so many laughs after so many great games and covering so many, uh, so many events, but strictly fun. I would say those are two and a half weeks with my buddy Melrose at the Stanley Cup final every year. We just, we just have a blast. So, Hey, it beats working for a living. Uh, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, being in our industry, we are so fortunate during these uh, difficult slash impossible times and what's going on everywhere. And so uh, I'm enjoying the ride every single day. Best Barry story that you can tell us that's fit for a family show. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you can go to the last page of his book. He tells a great story about a former Toronto Maple Leaf teammate who walked away from him in his locker stall naked. Oh, it is. The book, hey, the book can't be expensive, guys. It could be a dollar fifty, you know. So God bless uh, hockey, Steve. God bless <laughs> hockey. What a great sport. Love that yeah. sport. Good, good people. That, hey, that that locker room, uh, that locker room behavior would not be acceptable today either. By the way, so everything has changed. But hey, the God, the God bless Barry Melrose. He smokes five cigars a day and probably drinks ten Bud Lights. And he's, he's in perfect shape, you know. So amazing. Amen, brother. All right, Steve. Yeah. Enjoy Thanks. the game tonight, man. Thanks for coming on. Bill, Judd, thanks for having me on. You guys be safe and well out there. Take All right, care. that's Steve Levy, the uh, voice and face of Monday Night Football. And yeah, you did. So, you uh, did. You, you teed su- him up. You, a- you asked uh, a question that praised him up and down, and then you got the great question. Hey, point. before you go, no- uh, nothing set up right. there. There's an art to it, boys. Yeah, there. There's an art to it, I basically was given credit for I could have produced <laughs> tonight's game. <laughs> hey. I mean, he basically invited me to join we- the staff. I mean, they're letting people go right and left, and now I've got an open offer. And you get they a great question. Fired, they just fired 300 people. He's like, Judd, why don't you come <laughs> on board? But, great. Phil, you're asking the great, great questions. Great question from Phil. Judd, here's a check for 500000 a year. I'm now up uh, 22 to 20 on Judd in the good question, good point standings. Declan has you nailed there. Declan Perfect. has one. And, yes, Thank I was, you, Declan. I was absolutely fishing yeah. for a great so, question. So, Mr. Yeah, Levy, when, you were, when you're preparing for the games and, and you do such a great <laughs> job of preparing for the games, oh my when God. you did that one thing that you did before – Oh, that's a stupid question. Take notes. Uh, Take notes, kids, if you're out there and you're aspiring to ask great questions to legends like Steve Levy. uh, Dalvin Cook, three uh, three games so far in his career against the Bears because he has been out of a few of them because of injury. Nine carries for 12 yards, 11 carries for 39 yards, 14 carries for 35 yards, and the one touchdown he has rushing. And you know what? I I, I mean, it doesn't mean a thing, but... No, I, I actually think it kind of does because I I think it's going to be more similar to that than the last two weeks tonight. And so the Vikings better have a plan B on offense. And uh, oh, lo and behold, they've got two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, so it shouldn't be that hard to find a plan B. Just throw it to Justin Jefferson all night. I think if he's at, I think the one thing that is definitely a total guess on my part that's going to be different is the carries. I think they're probably going to force it more. Mm-hmm. So like he's going to get up to twenty three to twenty five. Um. And the question is, does it begin to work? Yeah, I think I think they force it early. I think they probably run on a lot of first and second downs. Although, the more I say that out loud, it makes sense. Like the Bears think you're going to do that. The, the the you know the entire world watching thinks you're going to do that. 
it makes sense to try and take advantage of that thought and feeling and throw deep on play action in the first quarter. Doesn't doesn't it make sense yes. to take a shot to Justin Jefferson on the first play of the game? It makes perfect off play action. It makes perfect sense. My question is, does the head coach empower and trust the quarterback enough to do it? And I can't tell you yes. Listen, if you want to like if you if if the if this team's plan legitimately is to beat the Bears, continue their momentum, win a bunch of home games in the next three weeks, and make the playoffs, you can't do it by just handing off to Dalvin Cook. You've now set up the perfect opportunity these last two weeks. For Justin Jefferson to catch five passes for 160 yards and two touchdowns tonight, if you want to take that opportunity, I don't. So. Disagree. I agree completely, but I don't know that the head coach is going to trust the quarterback enough to do it. I think he might have to, but he's still going to bristle. I mean, he's still go- going to say, "Damn it, we have to have Kirk throw right." Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll find out. Tonight. We'll find out tonight, and then afterwards we can bitch about it on Vikings Vent Line or be Purple Daily depressed. Podcast. Cousins, uh, YouTube channel, three hundred fifty yards. This game, this sets up for a Kirk Cousins game. I'm just going to throw it out there. Right. It sets up for a Kirk Cousins game. You're saying that about a Monday night game. That's an. That's a very interesting. That's a very interesting potential hot take. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll see what happens now. If it was Sunday at noon on CBS, then it would be a Kirk Cousins oh, special. Boy, that was. I'm sorry to the early NFL games that I ignored watching. That's okay. That's okay. You didn't miss much. I had them, dude. It was. I was watching them all. Jim Nance was in full effect, full effect, just peeping through the azaleas, watching Dustin Johnson. <laughs> Tiger, Tiger Woods, by the way. <laughs> Tiger Woods. We're, we're the same. We hit 10 on par threes. <laughs> I same. mean, one of the great final five-hole stretches in Masters history oh, by Tiger Woods. Yeah. Four birdies and five holes after a 10 on 12. Not how you start. I like how the voice drops. I, I like how the voice, as you talk about Hello, the Masters on CBS, is there in, any greater difference in sports than than the Masters on CBS? And they're, you know, all very quiet and hushed. And then you turn to Fox, where the NFL has five games going at the same time. <laughs> Terry, what's going on? Oh, boy, Jim, it's great. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, and then you get to like Sunday night football, and it's just it's raining and it's storming and it's Bill Belichick I mean, and John Harbaugh all in one day. Network TV <laughs> from the Masters to coming up next on Fox, it's the Simpsons. Uh, amazing. So uh, yeah, Dustin Johnson winning winning his second major, and Judd got a chance to see Paulina Gretzky, his second favorite Gretzky, wandering yeah, around. There's no way she's my favorite. <laughs> Now when fact, your dad's if, Wayne. If Judd had if Judd had an option, you can put skin tight yoga pants on any Gretzky. He would choose Wayne first Wayne. and Paulina second. In my in, in my <laughs> prime in, in my prime years before I was married, if you told me a night with Paulina or Wayne, it's not even close because oh I'm God. I'm going to ask Wayne questions all night long about the Oilers. <laughs> I'm going to go with Paulina. Maybe that's just a me thing. I don't know. I want that stories about the thing. Oilers. We'll talk about mess. We'll talk about coffee, Grant Fear, Yari Curry. This that's is good. an easy, a, a, a nice, relaxing um, you might even, dinner with Wayne to me wins out. You might even bring up some Trevor Gretzky minor league baseball stories. You probably don't even want that. No, no. I just want I just want Wayne from his WHA days to his last days with the Rangers. Let's Judd Zolget, everybody. Uh, Quick pause, and we will bust out the first Gophers pie chart of the season. Oh, boy. Offense, defense, special teams. I think there's way too many drops. It's not just on Tanner. Way too many drops. I think there are five or six drops, and uh, I don't think the stats look any different, but who cares about the stats? I think we're just inconsistent as a football team tonight. Um, and, And take your pick. Uh, take a pick, whatever player you want to pick, or take every coach you want to pick. Any uh, off offense, defense, special teams. We were just really inconsistent. Don't mind if we do. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. You guys ready for the first Gopher football pie chart of blame of the season here? Yeah, we've they've somehow skirted three terrible losses. God. And by the way, that Michigan loss looks even worse now. Oh yeah, because Michigan is one of the worst teams apparently. Pie, pie chart time. of pie chart of blame is far too kind. Pie chart of crap is what I'm <laughs> going to give them. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? Well, why don't you do the honors here? Films music? 
Yeah, let's do let's do no, no, we'll do films music. We do films music. Yep. Actually, we should find some sort of like. I mean, there's a rouser on here, but it's like only like 45 seconds, so it'd be like me clicking. No rouser. No rouser. I I feel like this this should be some sort of circus gong show type of theme tune. Benny Hill or something. Yes, because I mean, this is this was such an another gopher debacle, just an embarrassment. Uh, all right, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, the Rock knows how you feel about pie. I'm going to give three pieces of pie here. I'm going to keep it small because it's such a debacle that I feel like to parcel th- things out just to this game would be missing the big picture of the absolute ineptitude that we've seen uh, in three of the Gophers' four games. And the one game that they won, Illinois, is terrible and was down to their fourth-string QB. So certainly let's not get too excited about that game. Uh, 50% of my pie goes to P.J. Fleck. He's the coach. He's the coach of this team. Um, He's taken some significant steps backward. Uh, And and we we talked about his his in-game management style last year. And there's like times that he gets really weird. But it seems to be creeping up more now as things get worse. Um, Dude, Last year against Iowa, Tyler Johnson got hurt, and you ran on the field, and you got a flag. 15-yard penalty. Unsportsmanlike conduct, I believe, okay? So, lesson learned. PJ's an adult. Lesson learned. Thank you very much. This year, you you get a pick that I believe takes the ball to the Iowa 13-yard line in the first half. Illegal block thrown. That's a problem. 15-yard penalty, okay, you're at the 38, not great, but it happens. P.J. runs on the field again. Year later, flag, 15 Dude. yards, unsportsmanlike conduct. You are now, I believe, in your own territory because your coach didn't learn. You can't run on the field, dude. dude. Like, like I saw Gopher fans, and it is, just quick aside here, it's painful, and I... I Get the fact that there are a lot of Gopher fans rightfully ticked off and upset, but the few left who are like, I re- I rewound that and watched it, and he didn't oh, do a thing, dude. Oh, no. just stop. Also, it's it's okay just stop. to be wrong, and yes. it's okay to take responsibility and ownership. It's like why, like we're and not just with Gopher football. It's like we've almost gotten to a point in our country where it's like you can't admit that you're wrong. It's weakness, or it's like you know, no, PJ was wrong. That's okay. Yeah. Saying he's wrong doesn't mean that you want him fired necessarily, although I won't speak for Judd, but you're I'm right. Not yeah, firing like, anyone right now. But I mean that was but that was he and and look, the defense is bad. We know that. The offense on Friday was embarrassing. Like where did what's going on here? Is is uh the, the new OC that bad? Is PJ not doing it? So, long story short, fifty percent of my pie goes to the guy who is directly in charge of this program, P.J. Fleck. 40% goes to um, the defense. The, the coordinator, what, Joe Rossi is his name? Not he, good, he's not the good, guy. Not he, he, he's the guy that got the job when Rob Smith got blown out during the course of that embarrassing 2018 season. Uh, the defense, look, I understand four guys were drafted, and that's a big loss. I'm not saying Antoine Winfield Jr. is a great player. Uh, but there's a difference between taking steps back and falling apart. The defense has fallen apart um, at every turn. It's embarrassing. This is Friday night watching the golfers felt Bruce, Brewster-esque. It was a Tim Brewster type of game. That It was that bad. 90, so we are now up to 90%, and then I'm going to reserve 10% for a player uh, and I guess I'm more confused, and I don't know if this is a product of coaching. I don't know if if uh, teams watch film and have deducted what he does well or what. Quarterback Tanner Morgan, ten um, percent, which I don't think is a huge chunk, but look on Friday he he looked lost. He looked lost. the The attributes that he showed so consistently, I thought, in 2019, which got him, I think, at least loosely into the 2020 Heisman conversation. It did. It like, did. It, he was in there. It's, it's, and, seriously. And I didn't bristle. I was like, you know what? The kid played really well. Right. Um, he is, his accuracy is off. The ball is sailing. Yeah. He looks flummoxed and flustered. And 10%. So, 50% P.J. Fleck. Defense, 40%. 
Tanner Morgan, 10%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Can we just, uh, before I give you my pie chart of, of Gophers blame here, can we just reflect on the epic troll job by Kirk Ferentz? Kirk Ferentz, oh, who also yeah. might get fired. I, I don't think PJ gets fired, just for the record. I, like, no. P, And I'll get to that in a second. But um, but Kirk Ferentz, for anyone who missed it on, uh, on Saturday or on Friday night, and, th- and I'll give you Kirk's quote here. So the Gophers were trying to avoid a shutout, right? They were down 35 rip, I believe. They were. Okay. So uh, the Gophers are inside the 10-yard line, and the clock's winding down, and they're just trying to avoid a shutout. I believe there is 19 seconds left. So they they, they have time to run a couple more plays, maybe. <laughs> yes. And so they call a timeout, the Gophers do, after seeing what Iowa's formation looked like, so they could go back to the drawing board and scheme up the right play. Yes. And so Kirk Ferentz, who I don't normally agree with or like, or I, I think Kirk Ferentz has become one of the more just like unlikable figures in college football, especially with all of the racial things that came out about the Iowa program. But he is 100% right in this case. Why are you calling timeouts? Just get the game over with. Just like, you're, there's no, I don't want to hear like, well, there was a learning moment. If we score a touchdown, it's, it's, you know, it's the Tim Brewster. If we score last, yeah. it'll bring us momentum. Yes. You got your asses kicked. It's the sixth time in a row the Gophers have lost this particular rivalry game, including four by P.J. Fleck. It is what it is. And so Iowa comes back, and they call all three of their remaining timeouts in succession. And this was Kirk Ferentz's quote. They called a timeout to get a look at what we were doing and reconsider. So we just wanted to make sure that we got a look at what they were doing. No sense taking them on the bus with us, Right. The media reminds us that a couple of times over the last 22 years, uh, you, you can't take the timeouts home with you. So I figured we'd take Floyd with us and leave the timeouts here. Oh, my God. Yep. I hate Kirk Ferentz, but I love him in this moment. So, And I'm a go- diehard and he you know, also, bleeding Gophers fan. And he also went for two up 26 rip. Yes. So he was, and I asked about this. I guess this goes back to some recruiting differences that the two have had, PJ and Kirk. So it does go back, but but you know what? It was hilarious. And I'm with you. If you are down 35 nothing, okay? You deserve to be shut out. I if I'm PJ, I tell my guys, take a knee. You don't deserve the points. You played such a disastrous game. We're done. It's a better learning lesson to sh- to, to get shut out in that spot. Yes. Because then you can use that as fuel all week long and say, you guys, we scored zero points. So to me, it's, it would actually have been a better coaching method to allow your team to get shut out in that. And spot. nobody on that team deserved points. Totally agree. Like you just didn't. Yep. So here's my pie chart. The Rock knows actually, how you feel about pie. These are kind of similar to Judd's. I'm not going to change it just for the sake. I will start out with the silver lining if there is one that I'm giving 20 percent of the pie to bad luck and attrition. And I and I and I say that um, I don't mean to like make full excuses. I'm not saying that. Other teams haven't had the same sort of bad luck or, or COVID opt-outs or whatever, but but the Gophers have lost a handful of defensive players to the NFL, and, and you already mentioned Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose NFL-caliber players like that, and the Gophers aren't far enough along in their recruiting where, like, they've put together two or three good recruiting classes in a row. Mm-hmm. It's not like Ohio State where they've literally put together, like, three decades of amazing recruiting classes, and they just reload with NFL players. The Gophers aren't to that point yet. And so when you lose a handful of defensive players to the NFL, you're not just going to maintain the same defense you were playing last year. Uh, offensive line of the five starters that were projected this season, two of your guys that played, uh, I believe, 12 and 13 games last year are out for the season. Curtis Dunlap with the torn Achilles. And it's been reported now that Daniel Fileli, uh has he's missed the season because of being apprehensive about COVID, the 400-pound kid. And so you're missing, you're missing like two of your five absolute uh, locked-in-stone starting players along the offensive line. So 20%, that does factor in. It's a big part of the reason why you're not as good on offense or defense. But let's get to the 80% that you can control. 30%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Two of the starting quarterback that, you know, Judd's, Judd nailed it. Like, this dude, Tanner Morgan, was getting Heisman steam. Not like Trevor Lawrence Heisman steam, but like second-tier Heisman steam. Yeah. He's being taken seriously. Legitimate. And was getting legitimate first or second round draft steam after last year, too. That, oh man, he could come out after his junior year. Or what if he just chooses to opt out because he wants to protect his draft stock? Like those were discussions that were being had about Tanner Morgan. And again, it's like, yes, he lost Tyler Johnson to the NFL. You still have <laughs> yeah, that's not, one yeah. of the best wide receivers in the country in Rashad Bateman. 
and his completion percentage has gone down by 10 points. Um, he has uh, a one to one touchdown to interception ratio after having a four and a half to one ratio last year. And I get that you weren't able to pad your stats and ramp your season up against non-conference opponents, but for God's sakes, it's not like you've played four games against Ohio State here, okay? And that Michigan game, we see what they have become, sort of talented but discombobulated and quitting on a coach. And and for the most part, Tanner Morgan has just been terrible this season. Like he has he's not going been backwards. Good. He's getting worse yeah, it's by bad. the game. Right. He is not a draftable quarterback right now. Oh. And uh, that's saying something. He's, Nate Sta- he's saying. worse than Nate Stanley, your guy, who the Vikings oh, took oh. in the seventh round. Yeah. So the Rock knows how you 30%, feel about pie. And I'm giving just like Judd, fifty percent to PJ Fleck. And just to just to clarify, I'm still rowing the boat. I'm still curious to see what happens beyond 2020. I don't think a step back means that like all of the work he did is undone. It doesn't erase the great season of 2019. He's an excellent recruiter. He's been to this point an excellent motivator, and he has proven that he can turn programs around and get them to new heights. What he hasn't proven at either Western Michigan or Minnesota is sustainability. At Western Michigan, he climbed up the escalator, and he got to the fourth year, and they went to a Cotton Bowl. Then he went to Minnesota. And then he climbed up the escalator. He got to a New Year's Day Bowl, beat Auburn, and he's and it's the second act that he's never really been. We don't know what it looks like for P.J. Flack. And so I don't think that this season is just like automatically the second act written out. There's still a good chance with good recruiting classes they could bounce back in 2021. But he has not proven that his act is sustainable. And this is definitely a stain uh, on that resume. What concerns me the most about Fleck and this is now a continuing problem. And I don't know if it's his personality or what. He doesn't seem willing to learn from the lessons he's taught. Which is weird because he's the ultimate personality in trying to teach his players things. Um, but the continual mistakes, Phil, in game and and he he almost seems just from a starting point, he almost seems to if things start to go awry to freak out, which is a really bad thing. He's not a great in game coach. No, he's, he's a. I I think right now he's bad. I think he's bad. Time but, management, but, the timeout management. But if you learn, that's fine. Like mm-hmm. okay, you're you're young. You make mistakes in-game, in but guess what? You know, in 2019, you learn potentially these three or four important things. Mm-hmm. And, and in 2020, you don't make the same mistake again. Uh, what concerns me is he's not doing that. You know, and, and I think over the long haul, you know, if you're going to rank, like, attributes that matter the most when it comes to college football coaches and college basketball coaches, the ability to recruit talent and motivate and get you know just get get the best talent in and get them to perform uh, at their peak. Those are important things and probably the most important things. And sometimes you can get away with not being a great in-game coach if you've got the right talent. Les Miles is probably the best example of that at LSU. Like Les Miles made all kinds of in-game mistakes. They were unable to make offensive adjustments. They weren't a great offensive game planning team, but they just had like 20 NFL guys on their roster at yeah. any given point. So they went 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 every single year. And I, I almost feel like PJ has put so much emphasis into the marketing message and the recruiting of talent, and that's awesome. And we've seen players come to Minnesota, Rashad Bateman's one of them, that we otherwise wouldn't have seen in like under Jerry Kill or or even Glenn Mason, you know, you know, previous coaches here. And so I'd rather I'd rather start there and then figure out the in game stuff. But the way that he burns through timeouts unnecessarily and the way that he like there was the play, it was a third and six, I believe. And he's running the ball into an Iowa brick wall, and his logic was, well, oh, we was wanted a terrible call. We were hoping to gain half of it back so we could go for it on fourth down. It's like, <laughs> wait, it's third and six, and you're looking to gain half of it? Like, yeah. right. what? Well, and you, and, and I, so I, I think they lost a yard on the play. So I think it became fourth and seven. And at that point in time, you're down by 14. Your defense stinks. You have to go for it. Correct. Like, you just have to go for it. You're in their territory, I believe, at like the 26, right? So that's not a, well, we lost a yard, so let's try and kick a field goal. They they were down 14 rip, and it felt like, to me, 28 rip, okay? For sure. So, so it's 14-3. Oh, hallelujah, you scored three points. Who yes. cares? Um, yeah, his so so flex demeanor on game day, which you know at the end of each quarter is to run and the team runs. Uh, that's all fine if that's not how your brain is operating, but that's how his brain operates. Like he's constantly going, 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 
And the great coaches slow the game down. Yeah, he's like there. He doesn't. There's. It's so weird because in so many ways he's this young, fresh. He understands marketing and social media, and he understands how to connect with eighteen year old kids. To this point, at least over the last eight or nine years, but all the other new school things that you would look at, like conservation of timeouts or when to go for it on fourth down and when not to, yep. and what a high-scoring environment means to your aggressiveness as a play caller versus what a low-scoring environment means, all these things, he has no clue. <laughs> it's like he needs an off-season to just study it's very up. weird. It is. It's ve- it, and, the Rock knows how you feel about pie. Last thing, recruiting-wise, being blown out on national television in a standalone game, essentially, on a Friday night, bad for business. Yes, it is. Like, it's one thing to, oh, man, we played the Hawkeyes tough. Wasn't that a great 35-32 loss? It's another to be scoring a meaningless touchdown with 19 seconds left in the game because let's just score this touchdown. That's embarrassing. Now, what he would say, and I'm I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but I, I think he's on the record having said this in some way before, is when the media piles on after a loss like that, it doesn't do anything to help the cause for his recruiting efforts. <laughs> this is true. To which I would say, that is not our fault or problem. It is on you to get your team better prepared. It is on you to keep recruiting and to build off of last season. So that's that's always been a weird thing that pops up with coaches in this town. Like, why aren't you being more positive? Why aren't you winning more games? Well, just don't get blown out. <laughs> right. Like, why? if it's a good game... We'd say, man, tough loss, great game. Yeah. Like, there is, there's no program in college football history that turns the Iowa Hawkeyes into Alabama overnight <laughs> like the freaking Gophers. Well put. I've seen so many games where it's like, did they just play LSU with, like... Well uh, put. I mean, doesn't The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, Declan, your pie chart. Yeah, I'm going to go 50%, same with Judd, to P.J. Fleck. And I'm going to group play calling in there, too, as we kind of talked about that goofy third and six call. And I know Chip followed up with him, too. Like, what what was the game plan there? What were you trying to do? And he wanted to gain the yard, but then they only lost one. So then you punt. Like, I don't really understand that. And and similar to what Phil said, he's a very forward-thinking dude. And you'd think that he'd also have the foresight and the and the knowledge and the, and the, and the analytics to understand when to be also progressive and going for it. And he didn't do that. And his play calling, you're, you're not using Rashad Bateman enough. I mean, we could even do like a ranking of who's not being used enough for Sean Bateman or Justin Jefferson. Like, just get those two dudes the football. I don't it's, understand it. It's like we're sitting here. It's the modern NFL. It's easier to pass than ever. College spread offenses. The NFL passing records gotta, all over the place. Got to have faith in in your QB boys. We've got two of the best, most skilled wide receivers in the world just collecting dust on a week to week. Bateman basis. is what actually is actually catching passes, but. How they're using him is confusing. Mm-hmm. So, so like his stats are fine, um, but it's the usage that you say. And and again, both teams of significant importance in this town from a football standpoint have decided it's 1975. Look at the run stats. Like the Gophers are down by 28. And they're pounding the rock. Got to, got to establish. Mo, I that mean, Mo's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but you're pounding the rock down by 28. Got to establish that at home. Establish that run. Yeah, and in fairness, the last two weeks, Rashad Bateman has caught 18 passes for 250 yards. Uh, but it's it's more underneath stuff and than Declan, last yes. year. Yes, exactly. Right. Last year he was the over the top guy, and Tyler right. Johnson was the underneath. So the rock knows how you feel about pie. So 50% to PJ Fleck in the play calling. I'll put 30% on the defense because it is atrocious. And I, and one can maybe say, well, your defense has actually been the bigger problem than the offense. And that's a given. I mean, you've allowed 49, 44 and 35 points in three of your last four games. That's a train wreck. I totally get that. But your defense can't stop, stop anyone right now. You're a complete sieve. So that's 30%. I am going to put 5%. Judd might disagree with me here. I'm putting 5% due to the COVID situation on this, not just like this game, but this season, I'm putting just a five percent, tiny little sli- uh, sliver of, of pie to COVID and and pausing the season, starting the season, or restarting. It has thrown a, a wrench into things, so I, I'm going to put a little chunk of pie there. And then finally, fifteen percent to the Minnesota sports gods because <laughs> wow. for, wow. for, for the I'm first for time in my entire lifetime, the Gopher football team was supposed to be relevant, not relevant. just Sun Bowl relevant. No. We're talking Rose Bowl relevant, nope. dude. Nope. And Minnesota sports said, oh, 
You silly, you silly nope. kids. No, that ain't happening. I love it, Declan. You're gonna, you're gonna be one and four. You're gonna lose to Michigan, and and you think that was gonna be a, uh, you know, an okay loss? No, it's a horrible loss. You're gonna blow a double digit lead to Maryland. That's gonna be a disaster. And then you only score seven points against Iowa at home. So Minnesota sports gods striking down on you. I give right, that, right, right, right. I love that. Right, Declan. through it against we're, you. Got fifty percent flack. Fifty percent flack. Thirty percent defense. 5% COVID situation yeah. and 15% to the Minnesota sports guys. Let yeah. me say this uh, about the the COVID excuse or problem here. I think it's very intriguing that we've got three programs that were expected to be good, at least three, if not more, in the Big Ten. Michigan, Minnesota, and Penn State. That all probably could fall on that excuse, but it applies to the entire conference. And I really do think that back to the Fleck discussion, um, if you are having any type of lack of success because of COVID and because of you didn't have the same camps, it is an interesting indictment or conversation, at least, about the coaching staff. Because, I mean, this is all about one thing. What's your mindset and preparation? And if you had come to me a year ago and been like, there's going to be a pandemic, and I would have said, you're crazy, but okay, let's talk. And you said... P.J. Fleck's team is not going to respond well. I would have said, you're crazy. P.J. Fleck is made for yes. a pandemic. Like, I this is who this. he is. Like, there is no excuse. Our The right side of our offensive line is gone. And guess what? We're going to be fine. That's what's weird here. I feel like a guy who preaches lessons and stories and and is is a very active guy, but I would expect him to calm his players actually has things spiral out of control on him, which is what I guess I don't process well because I would think that his personality would be the exact opposite. Yes, because you're not like, no matter how well you're recruiting relative to previous Minnesota coaches, you're not recruiting on the same level as Michigan, as Ohio State, as Penn State. You're just like, it's it's going to take years of building to get to that level. And so if you don't have the talent edge and and you don't have the recruiting edge, what is your edge? And his marketed edge over the past eight years at Western Michigan and Minnesota has been, we play above our talent level. We overcome adversity. That's the entire row the boat mantra. And instead, this season, row the boat has become a punchline for your opponents to use on social media after they clobber you. Maryland and I, Iowa. You're Hawkeye right. football on Twitter You're right. posts a, a graphic with the, with Floyd of Rosedale, and it says six straight checking off 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And the, and the text on the tweet is, the road to six straight. Road spelled R-O-W apostrophe D. Yep. Maryland trolled the Gophers. Like, it is becoming not something that you rally around and... This is kind of corny, but wow, this works and this is great. And it's literally becoming the punchline that your opponents use to mock you after they kick your ass. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. The rock knows how you feel about pie. Anyways, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not like completely jumping off of the boat, so to speak. Uh, I am curious because there still is talent. And and by the way, Tanner Morgan, now that he's having a crappy season, he's pretty likely to stick around for his senior year. And so they're going to have a good senior will quarterback he be next year. He will. Like he was I'm just, so good last year. This is just a, a down period. I would I would bet. Some but. that might be the case, but at some point in time, I feel like coaching uh, Fleck and the new OC Mike Sanford Jr. has to be playing a role here in turning this around. I will say this, and I got a ton of pushback, but if I'm Bateman, I'm out. I'm out, and people keep. What do you mean, like mid season out? You're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah he's I'm clearly I'm, out. I'm opting out right now. I'm opting out, and I get notes back saying, well, he's not a first-round pick, and he is. He, like, he he's is, put enough yeah. on film where he's going to be a first-round pick. I agree with you. Now, and is he top-10 pick? No, probably not. The combine would determine that, I think. Yeah. I, I think. I don't think, like, you know, but him not getting targeted against Maryland. going to be, like, in the next four games It's it, it, that he's go, going to make all of these plays, and teams are now going to say, I'm taking him with the eighth pick. I don't think so. No, I mean, could could this season hurt his draft stock a little bit? Maybe, but I don't think like when you're like none of us put Rashad Bateman on our pie chart. You know, it's not his fault. He's been targeted uh, these last couple of games, and his role seems to be different. Yes, but I think I think there's a good chance like if his draft stock falls, it's because he put up bad combine numbers or something sure. in February. I can see that. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, some of this was a was a, was a prove it to Rashad Bateman situation for the Gophers, right? It was. Get off to a hot start, so it validates his decision to 
come back and, and take some risks and play this season. And not only COVID risks, but like if that dude were to blow out his Achilles or That's something. That's what I'm concerned about. I mean, far he, more. Far has, more than he's COVID. He's put his future on the line for this team, and so I would have no problem it, since since he did that and played four games, and those four games haven't gone as uh, anticipated. I would have zero problem if he said tomorrow, hey guys, love it here. I just can't jeopardize my future uh, earnings. If I tear my ACL against the Badgers, do you know how pissed I'm going to be? Like it's just not worth it. As opposed to tearing it against Maryland? <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying <laughs> I'm removing difference? that chance. No, but in these last four games, if I tear an ACL or an Achilles or something, like that affects me huge. Yeah. He should, so I'm just done. He should opt out. But I'm, I got I'm notes saying he's not a quitter. It's not, he's not a quitter. I'm not calling him that. I'm saying it's a business decision that makes common sense. Yeah, I uh, I wish I could disagree with you on that, but you're 100% right. Boys, uh, the NBA draft is two nights away. Wednesday night, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ooh, and then free agency, the number right? number one overall pick. Right on the heels? Free agency starts on the 20th, so that starts on Friday night. So we're going to go a weekend of player activity. Now, the Wolves oh. don't really have any cap space, so their activity would be trade-based, uh, which could still happen before the draft. You guys want to jump right into this here? Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Trade talk. Juicy rumors. <laughs> I've got some thoughts. I spent the weekend, uh, not the whole weekend, but part of the weekend anyways, just going through like YouTube scouting videos and draft scenarios for the this. Wolves. I knew this would happen. I did some deep diving, sorting out my own personal Timberwolves draft thoughts. And uh, and I also, there, there's a great article in The Athletic that I want to reference here too. But I have five random Timberwolves draft thoughts for you guys if you're open to them. Mm-hmm. I'm here, yeah. I wonder if we should uh, pipe in some NBA music of some sort. Oh, okay. Declan, on-air production meeting. Yes, sir. Team Anthems page. Okay. Let's go to the uh, second column from the left. Yep. There. Just loop that top one there. You got it. There we go. This is going to be so much better now. Here we go. Yep. It's only like a minute long, so you're going to... Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball so that I can go dunk it. All right. All right, John Tash, go ahead. Random thought number one. I don't want LaMelo Ball, period. I don't want LaMelo Ball. And I think most of the steam right now is that the Wolves have had some good discussions with LaMelo Ball. That, and in fact, Gerson Rosas just got done talking to the media today, and he said, let me find this verbatim because it's, it's, it's worth not paraphrasing. He said, addressing a need in the draft is very dangerous. Gerson stressed that the smartest teams in the league almost always take the best player available regardless of perceived fit. So what he's either doing one of two things here. He's either throwing a smoke screen out, saying to the other teams, like, listen, just because you don't think we need a point guard doesn't mean that we're not going to take LaMelo. So if you want LaMelo, trade up. I could yep. see him playing calculus in that way. Or what he's doing is he's bracing Timberwolves fans for, we might take a player... The, what is this one? This is NBA Jam. Oh, that's good. NBA Jam. Okay, cool. Yep. I'm all in. He might be bracing Timberwolves fans for like a Wiseman or a, or a ball that's not a perfect fit for this roster and that they've already got a five. They've already got a point guard. Yep. Uh, but grabbing the best asset is the way to go. Um, my take on LaMelo Ball is that not only does he have a jacked up shooting motion, just like his brother Lonzo, he was measurably the worst defender in the Australian League. There was a stat I saw Look on one of these scouting videos. Okay, wow. diving into the Australian league. So he Get played twelve it. games in the Australian league. The rest of his career is mostly like untraceable because he didn't play college. Like he, the, the the only real like quantifiable portion of his career was the twelve games in the uh, I believe it's the it's the National Pro Basketball League or whatever the hell it is. It's the Australian yeah. Pro League, and and someone came up with the stat that he was the worst defender on pick and roll statistically in the entire league, Ooh. which is the most run play in the NBA pick and roll. Like he gets lost all the time against inferior players in the Australian. Like, I get that he's only 19 and there's room to improve, but sure. he can't shoot and he's a terrible defender. Yes. He can throw behind the back passes and he is a wonderful passer and, uh, and he's, he's lanky and has uh, a, a wide reach for a point guard. So he could maybe get hands in passing lanes, but he's basically like Ricky Rubio without the defense and with a crazy high maintenance father. So I am out on the mellow ball. Okay. I don't I don't even think he's gonna be the best asset in like three years if you're looking to trade. Like I just in a league where 
You need offense, and you, you need shooting, and you need defense. He doesn't really check either one of those boxes, so I'm, I'm out on him. Okay. Uh, random thought number two. Anthony Edwards, the, uh, the Georgia kid, makes me nervous. Here's the consensus scouting report as I put together like a summation of all the things that I consumed this weekend, okay? Mm-hmm. Crazy athletic and skilled wing player who lacks the ability to consistently make shots and has a oh. questionable motor. Uh-oh. Does that remind you of anybody? When's the last time we had a crazy skilled wing player that couldn't shoot and lacked motor? Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, Wiggy. If there's even a 30% chance that Anthony Edwards is Wiggins 2.0, I'm out. Mm. I don't want to repeat that same offense. If there's other teams that want to hop up and grab him and you can make a trade, that's awesome. The lack of the right? shot thing, yeah, that's that's got to concern you. And by the way, Anthony uh, Giovanni of ESPN just put out an hour ago on ESPN Insider. He said this, that the trade that trades are still heavily in play for the number one overall pick, but the sense is the T-Wolves will now select Anthony Edwards with the number one pick if they stay put. Interesting. Okay, here's another quote from Rosas. This is from uh, Annie Sabo from Fox Sports North. We're not looking for the perfect player to be the savior of the organization. We believe in our players, our philosophy, and our staff. It's going to take time to build this organization the right way. And so he's echoing what most people are saying, which is there's not like a Zion or a LeBron. There's not that one obvious player at number one. Be patient. So here's random thought number three for you guys. If I had to make the pick at number one, if I couldn't swing a trade, I had to make the pick at number one. I think I I I know what you're going to do. I would take James Wiseman. That's what I thought you'd say. And and so two two reasons for that. He might be the most intriguing player high in the draft in that even though he can't really shoot that well yet, I wouldn't put it past an organization like Golden State or Minnesota to like find a corner three spot where he could jump out and hit some threes. But um, the fact that he is a ready-made rim-protecting defender, he can run the floor. Like there's so many great things you could do with him at the five. You could slide Cat to the four. I know it's not a perfect fit. And by the way, James Wiseman and his camp have basically froze out the Timberwolves in this in this process. Like they don't want to come to Minnesota. At least that's what they're saying. Yep. Um, probably a better fit for Golden State. But if you had a rim protecting monster at the five, and you could slide Cat to the four, and and you could sort of play matchups defensively however you need to, and then you could trade one of the two later if you needed to in a year or two. Um, I would if I had to make the pick, and it was between essentially Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards. And James Wiseman, I would take Wiseman and just sort of so he, figure out my path. So he he's the best player in the draft. He is the player in the draft that has the most upside intrigue or intriguing upside, okay. according to people smarter than me that that scout and follow All us. Right. Um, so random thought number four, which is what Judd's question was in our email exchange earlier today. What is the best case scenario for the Timberwolves? In my opinion, it's the Wolves trading out of the top pick and picking up an additional asset of some kind. And so there's been chatter that that Charlotte might be willing to swap the three and the one. And Miles Bridges, who's a 22 year old, we've you know we saw him in the Big Ten for uh, for a chunk of games. That Charlotte could make that trade. Chicago has been rumored. Atlanta, and so you would get an asset of some kind, and then you could draft somebody who. I don't know. Maybe it's like maybe you feel pressure to draft Lamelo at number one because he's the best asset in your minds. Well, other teams could just make the decision for you, and then you pick whoever's left at three, and you get an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, but that brings me to random thought number five here, which is playing off of what Britt Robson wrote in the Athletic earlier this morning. Go check it out, Wolves fans. He did a great deep dive into what the Wolves should do on draft night on Wednesday, and he asked the questions. What do they need specifically that Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell don't have? And so he gets into the needs. And Gerson Rosas has said, whoa, you can't draft based on need. That's a mistake. But yeah. I would argue in a draft where there is no like consensus top talent, then wouldn't you want to fit need into the equation? Like if Zion's at the top or LeBron's at the top and you're like, oh, we already have that position filled, then you're an idiot if you don't still draft them. But in this case, I think considering need is important because there might be six players that are all sort of like in the same bin, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, what, what Britt says is the Wolves lack defense, shooting, and grit. And I agree with all those things. Um, and those are things that like like D'Angelo and Cat can shoot, but they're not the most gritty players. They tend to wilt late in games like Cat. We've criticized him for years. And both guys can't really play that great of defense. So the two guys he mentions... That you might not draft number one, but you might consider like number three. Although he did, he did say he would draft one of these guys number one. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's a three-point shooting wing player from Iowa State. Shot forty-three percent 
in two years at Iowa State. And I don't think you would take him number one by any means, but right. if you could if you could get an asset trade back or use that seventeen to trade back up into the lottery, uh, that's a guy that could instantly make threes for you on the wing. And then the other guy, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but uh, Onyeka Okongwu from USC, mm-hmm. who is a six foot nine center slash power forward. He's a, he's an athletic rim protecting rebounding energy guy, and his optimistic comp is Bam Adebayo in Miami. And so you would have kind of the soft outside shooting cat with yep. this hard nosed rim protecting energy rebounding guy that you could play those guys off the four and the five together. Um, and Britt says flat out he would draft him with the number one overall pick, and I don't disagree. Like I think a guy like that who checks actual tangible boxes. Yep is more important to the Timberwolves the next three to five years than like fixing LaMelo's shot motion. Sure. So those are my five random thoughts. My Timberwolves so draft would, speculation. Would drafting, would drafting the Southern Cal kid over Wiseman make sense though, if you were still at one or is, is Wiseman potentially going to be good enough that you want to take him at one? Um, that's a good question. I think if you're drafting number one, you probably just take Wiseman. Yeah. Although the fact that he doesn't really want to play here has to be considered too. Like, to what lengths would he go to force his way out? Sure. I don't know. So, again, I think the best case scenario is the Wolves trading out of the top pick in some way and then getting one of these other guys. I just like, why would you consider drafting a player at number one in LaMelo Ball who has a jacked up, needs to be fixed shooting motion, has no sense of like what a quality shot is? has a high-maintenance crazy dad that we've seen. He's he's laid low a little bit the last couple of years, yeah. and he's measurably the worst defender in an inferior basketball league. Because like Those are huge red flags. I wouldn't, but my guess, the answer to the question, I guess, is because he's 19 and you feel as a team that you can fix his problems, which might not be true. Then I, if, and that's, it, a, that, that's a problem. And then if, I, like, if it was between Ball and Edwards, and it's just like, well, you, you got to take one of these guys because they're just the best assets – and you just have to fix their problems. I would rather try to fix Anthony Edwards' problems than LaMelo Ball's problems. Because I think Anthony Edwards is a better positional fit, even though Gerson has said you shouldn't be focused on fit. In most drafts, I don't think you should focus on fit. In this one, you should consider it. You should consider it. So Interesting. All right. Those are my, those are my hot Five. takes. On the I hope for their sake this time they at least land on something that's close to being right. The, the, the Edwards... Um, piece that you read about the fact that he might not be the most energetic guy on the face of the earth definitely scares me because well, I don't know that you can fix I don't know that that motors can be fixed and he plays and just like Wiggins like he plays with energy and enthusiasm and passion sometimes but then the fact that you even have to question it other times right. is a huge but I don't life. think that can be I don't know that one can be changed you can't fix a bad motor that's no. a personality like there, you know, Kobe Bryant was the perfect example of some guys are motivated when their alarm clock goes off <clears throat> at three o'clock in the morning, and other guys need like constant probing and prodding, right. and and they need the Cavaliers to be in town because that's the team that yeah. you know traded me. It's like, and in college, it's different because one, if you're as good as this kid is, your talent outshines the the uh, vast majority of guys that you'll play against, and you also play a shortened schedule. But when you're playing 82 plus playoffs and everyone's really, really good, I think that becomes a huge problem. Yeah, like Michael Jordan would find ways to be motivated because, like, the backup shooting guard for the Nets. Said oh yeah, something, it's crazy, you know. You know and obviously, like, you can't just compare the, everyone to Michael the George Jordan. George Carl but, thing, though. I mean, George Carl walks by him in a restaurant and doesn't say hi. Yeah. And J- Jordan's like, "Well, that was that was terrible. That was BS." Yeah. The the other thing though with Anthony Edwards is. You know, let's say that the motor thing is just people are just over criticizing him and that that's not going to be a problem. Well, he hasn't shown the ability to make outside shots either. So, you know, how that, that's where like I, I think this can be pretty simplified if you're the Wolves. And again, like I'm getting into the fit aspect and Gerson Rosas is saying don't focus on fit. But you've got the two young stars that you're going to build around already. You got Cat and you got D'Lo. Who are the players in this draft that can best complement those guys? and fill in some of the gaps. Yeah. And I don't think LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards are the two guys, even though they might be the two guys with, like, the most skill, I don't think those two guys are the ones that necessarily help Cat and D'Lo the most. So if you feel pressure because you can't get out of the number one pick to grab the best asset, 
then I would hope that you have some sort of some sort of like plan B trade in the works as the draft plays out to get what you really think will help your organization. Um, but I don't know. LaMelo Ball, like go watch some of his shooting videos and you're telling me like that's an NBA shot. He's sh- like, it's no thanks, dude. And, La- and Lonzo's shot is like, for like weird across your face. Like, like where are these guys learning to shoot? Is dad just like the old bring man them outside? The and- old man probably t- taught him so weird how to shoot the basketball. And so, all right, well, We'll see what happens. It's gonna on be a fun week, though. Draft night. Yeah, this is so we've got be Vikings Monday night. On. We got Timberwolves draft, and then NBA free agency. And oh, by the way, Major League Baseball free agency is open. I guess like yeah. no one's really doing those anything, crickets. That's baseball right now. Yep, salary cap would help because it would at least frame up like what teams could spend and what they can't. Now it's just a stare down. Oh, nice. to not spend. Correct. Yeah, that's the thing. Now. Owners and agents are like, gonna, we ain't spending. Agents are going to say, "Well, I want twenty million for that guy," and the owner is going to be like, "Nope." Okay, well, we're going to wait then. <laughs> like this is going to this is going to bleed into spring training, probably. Oh hell yeah! So big but, time this but year. There are some interesting twins things we can get into this week as well. But uh, don't forget Purple Daily seven days a week. Apple, Spotify, and also scorenorth.com and youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. If you want to see, if you're listening to Mackie and Judd. Uh, either on the radio or via podcast, if you want to actually see some of these discussions, we have a second YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash scorenorthmn. All right, guys, we'll see what happens with Bears-Vikings tonight, and we will see you all tomorrow.